Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. I don't think I'm stepping out of any you know journalistic bounds by saying that this country can be mm, frustrating, right? That That's not all that out there. But then you talk to an immigrant, someone who's choosing to be here, someone who is more than likely jumping through a whole lot of hoops to be in this country, and it's refreshing in a way. Not to be corny, but it's a reminder of what this country aspires to be. Today's interview is with writer Maeve Higgins. Her essay collection, Tell Everyone on This Train I Love Them, is an examination of this country from her outsider's perspective. You know, She's Irish, and she has this interesting and complex talk with NPR's Tamara Keith about class, American exceptionalism, and oddly enough, uh, the show 90 Day Fiance. This message comes from NPR sponsor Sun and Ski Sports. They're celebrating National Bike Month in May with a big giveaway. Enter in-store to win a Cannondale Trail mountain bike or online to win a Haro Flightline 1 mountain bike. Cycling isn't just transportation. It's a boost for physical and mental health. Join them for Bike to Work Week from May 13th to 19th. Make every ride count this National Bike Month. Gear up at Sun and Ski Sports, where adventure begins. Visit sunandski.com. Day. Writer Maeve Higgins begins her new book with her two wishes about the pandemic. One, that it would end. And two, that it wouldn't impart any lessons. That dark humor sets the tone for her collection of essays called Tell Everyone on This Train I Love Them. So I think being serious is very necessary when when we're alive in a moment like today. But I think being funny is just as necessary. In her book, Higgins, who is a comedian, writer and panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, considers topics from accidentally getting very high on edibles to immigrants' plight at the U.S.-Mexico border. She's originally from Ireland. And when I talked to her earlier, I asked if that made it possible for her to see America in a way those who were born here can't. Well, I mean, isn't that so rude to, like, have a visitor in your house who's like, really, those are the drapes you've chosen? Okay. (laughs) I question (laughs) your choices. (laughs) Totally. But the, the other part of that is I choose to live here. As you said, I'm Irish. And in case my accent wasn't obvious enough. The thing is, I think because I love it, I want it to be the best it can be. And also because I love it, I I look at America very frankly. You describe new immigrants to America learning that the glimmering city of their dreams is filled with rats. Fresh fruit <laughs> isn't on the menu for the poor. And that their American hero has crippling credit card debt and no health insurance. So what is it about America that you love? (laughs) So the part that you read, um, that's from a piece I wrote about 90 Day Fiancé, which is a really great reality TV show where, you know, American citizens fall in love with somebody who's not American. And then that non-American moves to America and has three months to marry the American. And that is part of the K-1 visa process. There is this 90 day thing, but it also makes for kind of a perfect premise for a reality TV show. Yes, because the clock is built in. And then, you know, like any new relationship, there's all of these like difficulties. I actually think that it is one of the more revealing parts of your book, Um, even though it is about trash TV. Um, I'm sorry, Tam, you say trash TV, but it's on TLC, which is the learning channel. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe me watching 90 Day Fiancé is actually an intellectual exercise. That's what I tell myself as I sit there for hours. (laughs) I might be telling myself that 
sometime soon as well. <laughs> but I, I think that it did reveal something to you about mm. the U.S., about your adopted country and about uh, just the sheer force of American exceptionalism. Yeah, and how invisible that is to so many Americans, which is something that I learned when I first moved here almost 10 years ago. People saying like, oh, it's great that you're here. You know, um, they didn't think that I might have needed a visa. They didn't fully understand what a fortress America is to most of the world. And again, I came from a very privileged place, being European, being white. I'm on an artist visa. My visa is, you know, an alien of extraordinary ability. <laughs> Not to sound like I'm boasting. Not to brag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My ability being the ability to sit very still and watch 90 Day Fiancé for hours. But yeah, I think that showed it opened my eyes to, okay, a lot of the American people on the show, they have really difficult lives, crippling debt, like economic insecurity, all of these different inequalities that they're coping with. But still, if somebody wants in to that life, then surely it means it can't be that bad. And they're kind of cling to this idea that, you know, because they're Americans, they're exceptional. So it made me look a lot harder at that part of American life. After the George Floyd protest, you visited Richmond, Virginia, and uh, the the statues of Confederate generals and others, including Robert E. Lee. That statue is now gone. When you were there, it was covered in graffiti. But you draw a parallel to a statue in your native Ireland. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. I looked at the Robert E. Lee statue and I was, you know, bowled over by all of this graffiti and the kind of retaking of that public space. But there's another statue that's in conversation with the Robert E. Lee statue and it's called Rumours of War and it's this young black man and he's in like Nike trainers and he's got dreadlocks and it's kind of an answer to all of these other Confederate monuments that dominated that city for so long. But what it made me think of is another statue that's in Ireland, a statue called Mishnuk. And Mishnuk is a Gaelic word and it means it means courage. Actually, it means a kind of a spirited courage. And that statue is a teenage girl on a horse outside a school in a very working class area of Dublin. And then when I looked into where Mishnuk came from, the artist who made the statue of the girl in Dublin, he made the model out of the exploded pieces of an old statue that stood in Dublin for many years of a British field marshal. His name is Field Marshal Goff. And he was just like your classic, awful colonist. <laughs> like he, would, he went marauding around Ireland and there was a statue to him. And the only reason there'd be a statue to him is to say, hey, everybody, remember who's in charge here. And it reminded me when I was standing there looking at the Robert E. Lee statue and looking at rumours of war in Richmond, I thought, wow, this country is so young. And like, it's no wonder the struggle is so vivid now because it's growing. Like this country is still so, so young. So I want to end with the title of this book. I initially thought this was like, oh, she's just so excited after the pandemic. She's going to get on the subway <laughs> and just want to tell everyone on the train that she loves them. But that's not it. Those are reportedly the last words of a young man killed defending two teenage girls, one of them in a hijab, from a man screaming racial epithets on a train in Portland. And you say that those extraordinary words have become your rule. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so tell everyone on this train I love them. That is what a young man is 23 years old, uh, Talisian Meridin Nam Kaimete. 
first of all, I heard about what he did himself and two other men jumped in to save these two girls from a racist attack. And when I heard, first of all, what they did and second of all, what he said, tell everyone on this train, I love them. They stopped me in my tracks and they actually instinctually felt exactly correct to me. Like I I was like, yes, you're so exactly right. But I was also baffled because I thought like how in that moment of such violence and he must have been afraid and like, how did he manage to um, to feel that? And what exactly was he feeling? Was he feeling, you know, oh, he, he loved those young girls, like his attacker was still on the train. Did he mean everybody? Um, but what I took it to mean was a kind of a connection between us all and the importance of love as an action. I use it as a guide on my best days, I would say it's aspirational uh, as a guide to to love everyone on this train. And this train is, you know, my life moving through America and all of us hopefully um, doing our best to remember that, too. Maeve Higgins is the author of Tell Everyone on This Train, I Love Them. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for talking. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Homes.com. The right agent can make or break your home search. That's why Homes.com provides an agent directory that details each agent's experience so you can find the right one and ultimately the right home. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. (laughs) Stories that change the way you think about your life. How how did we get here? The Embedded Podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.